So I think uh, probably most people know, because uh, I've mentioned this a bunch of times up here, that uh, one of my previous assignments was at uh, St. Anthony's High School. I was chaplain there for uh, about six years, about 20 or 22 years ago. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. It was a great assignment. Um, I loved the, I don't know, I guess like the potential to kind of influence and impact kids. It was really great in that environment. Uh, a big part of the job as chaplain was uh, retreat work, putting on uh, all different kinds of retreats. The whole freshman class went, the whole sophomore class went. We had uh, overnight retreats for the juniors and the seniors. Um, there was a group or a club of sorts uh, in the school for seniors. It was open to seniors. It was called the Colby Society. And it was, uh, their job was to help with the retreats. They would pretty much ran the sophomore retreats. And they would go, every sophomore would go uh, once a year. They'd go with their religion class. It's kind of like an all-day retreat in-house. Um, these seniors were, were a great group. There was probably about 80 of them total. And we would break them up into teams, maybe about eight kids per team, and then they would deliver these retreats. They had to apply to be part of this group. Uh, they had to be very, you know, willing to talk about their own faith. Um, so it was a, just a very good group of kids, a very impressive crew. What I remember most from these retreats, I mean, I would celebrate Mass, and sometimes I'd hear confessions. But I think what was most remembered by most kids were these talks that uh, some of the seniors on these teams would give. We call them witness talks. It's pretty simple. Um, we'd ask these kids to talk about their faith, why it was important to them, and then why these sophomores should take it seriously. Usually the kid would talk about some experience in their life, something that happened in the course of their, you know, fairly short lives where uh, faith was really important. Very often it was something kind of difficult or sad or challenging. And they'd talk a little bit about that and then again sort of speak about how, you know, in a lot of cases they didn't know how they would have gotten through it without faith. Um, so it was really great. It was. Uh, it was great for these sophomores to hear because they weren't hearing from us. They heard from adults all the time. So hearing these kids who were only two years older talking about faith was compelling. It was also great for these seniors themselves to have to get up publicly and speak about their faith. Like they really had to give it some thought. It was a long time ago. Um, and in all honesty, I, I can't say that I really remember many of those talks. I know they were important, but, you know, a lot of them kind of blended together over the years. However, um, there were a couple that did stand out, and I do still remember. Um, one of them was this kid, it was a, a boy, and he, uh, he talked about his parents' divorce. And I think they split probably when he was in like seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. And he talked about the pain of that and sort of the anger 
that he uh, felt toward his parents, particularly his mother. And uh, in the course of this talk, he explained how he was unfair. He kind of blamed his mother for the parents splitting, and in fact, that wasn't really accurate. In fact, if anything, you know, I remember hearing the kid talk, it sounded like the father had kind of checked out, uh, wasn't very present, and it was crushing this kid, and he didn't really know how, what to do with that hurt. So he kind of turned it against his mother. So his poor mom is like raising a couple of kids now, you know, significantly on her own. And he said he just became a jerk. He just, uh, any opportunity he could lash out at her, he would. So he was just getting in trouble constantly. Started hanging out with kids that were absolutely bad news, making bad decisions. He said by the time he was a sophomore himself in high school, he was, uh, he was at St. Anthony's, uh, but he was on the verge of getting kicked out for all kinds of discipline violations. And then he went on this retreat, his sophomore retreat, and this other senior gave a witness talk. And it said it stopped him in his tracks. He, um, he related to what this kid was saying, and it was like this wake-up call that he desperately needed. And he heard it, and he woke up, um, and he grew up. He kind of distanced himself from some of the friends that were no good and found new friends. And he said his junior and senior year of high school were like, it was like a 180 from the first two years, a good 180. This kid just uh, was so inspired by it. And he got his act together. Anyway, that was one talk. I remember being just so impressed with his honesty and kind of his humility. And then this other kid spoke, and in honest, all honesty, I don't remember this other senior's talk, but it had interesting implications. He got up, um, I'm told, and uh, kind of gave a standard talk, challenged these kids. They said it was, it was a decent talk, actually. Kind of challenged these kids to just be doing things right, follow the rules, be virtuous, be honest, respectful, like do the right thing. Problem was this kid himself wasn't even close to doing the right thing himself. He was saying one thing and completely living something else. He'd be talking about Jesus and, and good decisions on a Tuesday afternoon and on a Friday and Saturday night, he was like another person. And the kids on this retreat team knew it. I don't think the sophomores knew it, but the team did. And by the end of their um, senior year, I guess it was the last of maybe three retreats that they had to do, they had had it. They had had it with the dishonesty. And two of the girls in this group called them out on it. And there was this big fight. In fact, that's, that's where I kind of got involved. They were in the chapel. They were screaming at him. And I could hear the commotion, so I went into the chapel, and this was all kind of explained to me. And the kid didn't even really deny what was going on, but he just didn't want to hear it, and he quit. He was like, fine, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm out of here. 
It's interesting, like the, the power of hypocrisy, right? Like it enraged these kids on this retreat team. It also enraged Jesus when he saw that from the religious leaders of his time. It's kind of like history was just repeating itself. The power of hypocrisy and also the power of redemption. The other kid, his talk, it was a total redemption talk. It was like, yeah, I was a major league screw up, but I turned it around. And he absolutely did. We were, we were witnesses to it. I didn't even know him when he was a screw-up. I got to know him his last two years of school. It's really this parable. What I encountered in that chapel was just like another version of tonight's parable. Those two seniors were like the two sons in this, in this gospel. The father says to the two of them, I need you both to go do some work for me. One says, sure, and doesn't do it, says one thing, does another. The other one says, no, doesn't for a while, but then comes back and he does it. You know, the kid who, the redemption kid, the kid who was most honest, I remember he was a uh, pretty good musician. He... Um, I remember he would bring, he had a guitar with him and he had it on this retreat and he didn't get up and really sing anything, but he was, uh, you know, kind of messing around with the guitar and other kids with other musicians on the retreat were kind of involved with it. And during his talk, he talked about music and how important it was to him. And he got more specific and he talked about Johnny Cash how he loved Johnny Cash, he loved country music, but specifically Johnny Cash. And he loved the fact that he loved his honesty. And he was very honest, Johnny Cash. He, uh, his whole life was kind of like a redemption story. First half of his life, he was kind of a disaster. I think he had been arrested five times in seven years in the 1960s, and fame totally went to his head in all the, the worst of ways, alcohol and drug abuse and addiction, left his first wife and kids. But he never drifted so far, so much so that like the second half of his life, he did this turnaround, a little bit like the kid on the retreat. And he talked a lot about it. He talked a lot about his, own, about his own regrets. He would write about it. He wrote a song called, literally the song was called Redemption. The last 10 years of his life, it's actually a great song. Redemption. He kind of lived it. It was a part of who he was. I read this quote about Johnny Cash that said, he was darkness and light living in the same body. That was a cool quote. He was darkness and light living in the same body. Well, aren't we all? I mean, on some level, isn't that all of us? Light and dark within, the one, within each of us? Sometimes one is stronger than the other. It's sort of like this battle between the two, the light and the dark. 
God uses, like God uses complicated people, doesn't he? People like Johnny Cash, people like that kid on that retreat. Like they told their stories to explain Jesus's. He uses complicated people, imperfect people. I mean, look at Paul, look at St. Paul. You know, we, we hear about Paul and we're like, well, yeah, you know, St. Paul is one of the great saints of the church and great missionary, great preacher. Well, you know what? If you were a first century Christian, you were frightened to death of Paul because he was terrorizing, persecuting Christians. He wanted them dead. He wanted them done. He was ruthless. He was like a terrorist. And that's who Jesus picks. From heaven. Jesus says, why are you persecuted? Stop persecuting me. And he turns his life around. And he becomes like one of Jesus' generals. Paul. You know, think about this. Think about whether you're in school now or you were in school a million years ago. Think about somebody in school that you didn't like. We all have somebody, more than one probably. Somebody who just, you kind of hated. Maybe it was the way they treated you. Maybe it was the way they disrespected you or other people. Just a creep. And you think back on that person and you just, you're like, you kind of get disgusted. Well, that's who Jesus picked. No, 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 you don't understand. This guy was bad. No, Paul was bad. And Jesus picked him. Or maybe, think about work. The adults. Think about maybe somebody you work with who you kind of loathe. Because they can't be trusted and they've hurt you and others in terrible ways. Or maybe it's somebody on the block, it's like a nightmare neighbor, who's just made living on the block difficult. You wish they'd just move. Or maybe it's somebody in your family, and that's the worst of it because you can't even really get away from them. They're gonna be at the next wake you go to, they'll be at the next wedding you're at, so you can't even really escape them and you can't stand them. Well, that's the kind of person that Jesus picked as well. Now, all of those people, Jesus was like, okay, get it together. To, to Paul, it was like, okay, stop persecuting my people. I need you to lead them. I need you to inspire them. So these people cleaned up their respective acts, but they were hard people to imagine that God would ever pick. That's the way God seems to operate. It's all about redemption. It's all about second chances. You know, somebody sent me, a friend of mine sent me this uh, short video clip not too long ago. It was about a, uh, this guy who supposedly had a, like a uh, after death experience, one of these sort of like he was on the operating table and I think like, you know, his heart stopped and he was like clinically dead for a period of time and he saw a light 
kind of like this out, he was like out, he could see himself outside of his body. Saw visions of people who had died in his life, who'd gone before him. Total feeling of peace and serenity. I mean, you've heard these stories. I never quite know whether, what to do with them. I kind of like, I don't know, maybe they're true. Maybe some of them are true. I mean, why, why couldn't they be true? Doesn't mean they all are. But there's no reason to think that none of them are. So I'm always kind of curious, like, when I'm, when I'm hearing about these stories, these people, I'm sort of like checking them out like a, almost like a cop, like, are they telling the truth or not? And if I feel like they might be, then I find myself like listening a little bit more. Anyway, this one was kind of compelling. This guy seemed sincere. So he was being asked a couple of questions, and he was describing the experience, and then he talked about meeting Jesus. And then the guy asking him the question said, so what was he like? <laughs> I was like, man, what a question. I mean, isn't, isn't the question in a way like, what, what was he like? And he kind of paused for a half a, I don't know, a couple of seconds, and he talked about his eyes. And it wasn't like the color of his eyes or his you know, beautiful eyes. It wasn't that. It was his focus. He said he looked at him like there wasn't, other, there wasn't a person else on the planet. He was so dialed into this guy at that moment. Like no one, no thing else mattered. I thought that was kind of a cool description. I don't know. Do I know that it's true? No. Do we have to believe those stories? No. But I think they're worth entertaining. I also believe this. You don't need to have a near-death experience to know what he was like. You just need to listen to his stories, his stories, these parables, because they tell us about him, and they tell us about the Father. They tell us the way God is, and how we should be. Like the one tonight, it's all about being authentic. It's not about being perfect, nobody's perfect, but it's about being authentic. And it's about second chances. It's about the son who said no, and then came back and, and did yes. He said no, but he did yes. And it's also about Jesus having little patience for the ones who say yes, but do no. So maybe this week, I don't know, why don't we think about those two, maybe even one of those two, being authentic, being merciful. Of those two, what would you say you're less good at? We need more work on or with. I, can, I know I could be more authentic. I know I could be more merciful. I, I, I know I could be both. But just pick one and make it a goal this week. God uses complicated people. 
So this week, let him use you. 